everyone my name is Viviana and you're tuning in to Latin movie lovers thanks for coming back we want to give a quick shout out to our patreons <laughs> uh Ronel give it can you do the honors all right this level is for first time listeners long time fans Fabiola <laughs> thank you Sarah Rose I appreciate you Bianca I hear you Yasmin I see you you guys are all baddies, uh, and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. You are the wind beneath our wings. So we, we thank you, and we honor you, and we love you. So we're going to be diving in to another episode. Today, we are focused on the 1997 film, A Life Less Ordinary. And it was directed by our boy, Danny Boyle. Ronald, do you want to give us a summary of what the movie's about? It's, it's a movie that's hard to summarize because it's... it's um, formless. It's formless. There's really a lot going on. So we start off, the summary is this. There's two misma- a mismatched couple, Robert Lewis and Selena Ville, played by... Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz. They're two star, uh, not, star not even star-crossed lovers. They are on two different sides of... Um, the economic spectrum. Yes. Ewan McGregor may, plays Robert Lewis. He's a janitor working at this large company, and he gets replaced by a robot. So he sets out to get revenge, and he unexpectedly kidnaps uh, Celine Neville, which is the daughter of his boss, the boss of the company that he works for. And he takes her hostage and she, she's a badass. She doesn't, she like just takes charge of every situation she's in. So you find out really quickly that he didn't really kidnap her. She kidnapped herself and she's using him as an accessory. So they go throughout the whole thing and they're pushed together by these forces of fate because they're, this is the, the, the formless part of it. We don't know why, but there's angels that are trying to push them together. And there's a new incentive where angels are supposed to bring couples together and keep them together. And if they don't, they stay on earth. So the movie starts off with them in Gabriel's office getting this assignment. They go down to Earth and they're in charge of putting this unlikely couple together. And the whole, like the beginning intro of the film, like the whole bureaucracy of the afterlife and of heaven was so 90s. Literally, I had to stop my eyes from like rolling in the back of my head. Just to paint a scene, the, the, the office they're in, it's like in the clouds. Everyone is wearing all white. The carpet is white. Their suit is white. Their office is white. Their typewriters are white. Right, the typewriters. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got to do paperwork in heaven. Yeah. 
and uh, all the phones have those giant cords on them, and they're all. What a time! The way they talk about God is that he's the guy on the, the big floor, like it's this CEO corporation. Right, like there's a hierarchy of. Because uh, <laughs> what is what is Gabriel's? What is he's like chief? What's his like um, title of like the angel Gabriel? Oh, captain! It's captain. Yeah, it's got a weird vibe. I don't know if I'm in a like '80s corporate office cubicle setting, but also. I think we should talk about our bias right now. I'm a big <laughs> fan of rom coms, and this is not a good rom com where you leave better before <laughs> than watching it this is like if you really need to watch like watch a bad 90s rom-com it's on hulu i so it's accessible I, That's yeah a it's accessible <laughs> yes early edwin mcgregor i'm a big fan of edwin mcgregor which is why i picked the movie i am too very beautiful man that haircut but, My but he's God. not beautiful in this one i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he just woke up from a nap the whole time Really, yeah, really like disheveled. Really like, where am I? Why am I wearing the same shirt? It's been two weeks. I so I'm a fan of rom coms as well. I wouldn't even say this is like a rom com. I wouldn't even say like if you would have had like stuck to the decision to make this like an artsy, surrealist, dream pop, I don't know, like art house film, I would have appreciated it more because we keep saying or i keep bringing it up that's like it's a formless film and it really like halfway through the film it just takes a completely different like turn and in the last 10 minutes it does too so like we're we're being taken on a literal ride where we think it's we think so the movie starts off in a way where i think i'm like oh like here we go like i know what this is and then it ends and i'm like this isn't what i like thought it at all <laughs> but i don't know if that was good or bad there were parts of it that like had potential if they would. All right, let me defend this movie. Let me defend. Let me come <laughs> in and step in. All right, tag, tag in, tag in. So the movie starts Celine Neville. And I'm going to argue that this is probably one of the better roles for women in the 90s. <laughs> because she's a total badass. The movie starts with her. She's a heiress of this company. I don't know what they do. And she's someone that like just gets her kicks off of like one of her butlers puts an apple on his head and she shoots the apple mm -hmm. and she's just that kind of reckless like embodiment of Real like daddy. she has so much money yeah she doesn't yeah. care Cam we're talking she about cameron diaz in the late 90s you guys already know what the vibes are bro like she is that girl if you're if your glasses don't get foggy when you think about her <laughs> turn off this podcast right now <laughs> This isn't the space for you, man. <laughs> yeah, she's a she's definitely a strong character for sure. She wasn't a pushover in any sense. And then like you had mentioned in, in the beginning too, like she it's more like she's using him as an accessory. Like even though he is doing this like half ass like kidnap. Mm -hmm. She's one of the mm -hmm. gems of the film. So we get introduced to Celine and then we see Ellen McGregor, he has, he's this hopeless romantic that wants to write a book and he gets fired because there's a robot that's going to replace him. And it's basically like a vertical Roomba. And the same day that he loses his job, his girlfriend <laughs> leaves him. And she's like, you just lost your job. 
I'm getting with my Pilates instructor. You can clear out your shit by the end of the day. Right. Literally, quite literally. He, I mean, it wasn't a good day for him. And the, the two, we see the, the angels come down to earth and they're the, the movers. They're the tough but fair moving company. These, um, what were their names, the, these angels? They're, in, they're played by Holly Hunter, which is O'Reilly, and Delroy Lindo, which is Jackson. And both these angels were assigned this like mission because they have had like really bad luck with putting other people together in that like the relationship either ends in you know divorce or something else happening so there's a lot at stake here for these angels because i I think if you fail what you die like you cease to have a soul i don't know what i don't know what the hierarchy of that was either right like if an angel fails you just go to hell (laughs) so i think it was it was um Assumed that you lose your status as an angel. You lose your wings, so to you, say. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I think it was just kind of like the reason why they have them together. In most 90s films, it's their friends that are pushing them together. But mm. these are more so like, quote unquote, like these are the people allowing the miracles to happen. Right, like this idea of fate and divine, divine intervention. If you're a true romantic, <laughs> you'll take it that way. So Celine is told by her father, you got to get a real job. You're 25. You're not working. Like starting Monday, you have to start working because you're not going to get married. Mm. So her options are she has to get married. And there's a, her, one of the suitors is a dentist. And she was like, I'll by talk Stanley to you. Tucci. When I saw him, I literally gasped. I was not expecting like Stanley Tucci to come out as this like dentist. <laughs> uh, who's who's Stanley Tucci? Stanley Tucci, baby. Stanley Tucci. I you gotta know him. Hold on, let me pull it up. He looks familiar. Very familiar. So he's been in it. He's been in like the uh, the Devil Wears Prada. He's been in the Lovely Bones. He's been in anything you can. He's name this tall, of. lanky guy with like with his, glasses. With glasses. But there's a lot of people in this film. You're like, no way. Like, is the guy, the, the guy that plays Monk, is a bartender. Uh, Tony Shalhoub was in this film too. So random. So many random people in this film. And I'm like, is this movie good? Because they're in it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. And it's such. A, it's a. I think they really want to. They they probably signed on because Danny Boy had just finished Train Spotting, and then. This was after train spotting? Yeah, I think so. Oh my god, that makes no sense. Why would you go from making like train spotting? Yeah, to- train spotting came out in 1996 and then this movie came out in 1997. Wait, hold on. And then let me see, does this come out before Cameron Diaz was on The Mask? Because I was thinking that the entire time. Like <laughs> when she came out in The Mask. Should we just change this podcast to a Celine <laughs> or Cameron Diaz? I honestly can't believe that Danny Boyle decided to take on this after. Well, I guess it makes sense, right? If you want to do something more light. But even then, it's just. I think he just like took a break. Like they're, they're filming in Utah. Like yeah. they're just dicking around. Oh, this, the mask came out in 1994, dude. So they, it should have done better for what 
for the, the people that were in it. it yeah for the mm-hmm. actors that were like we're talking about heavy hitters but wasn't that at all did you in your defense of the film you enjoyed celine and what mm-hmm. else did you like like from the film just like the way that like her and and uh, edward mcgregor's character played off of each other because they just made shit up on the spot like when they and in the later in the movie they're like robbing a bank mm-hmm. um, because they need money because Celine got cut off from her father's money and her father is like you need to get married you need to get a suitor you don't want to end up like your mom and her mom is like she's living her best life but she's not rich so part of it was that Celine wants to live this like. She wants to have a nice lifestyle and just kind of live off of her dad's money. Mm-hmm. And there really isn't any repercussion to her actions. So she just is so bold in what she does and the characters that she takes on while trying to like live this life. Because he, Edward McGregor ends up kidnapping her because he, Edward McGregor goes up to her father and is demanding that he get his job back. And then just security guards that come in and get him. And they're like, you know, wrestling him and a gun falls on the floor. And Celine kicks the gun over to Edwin mm-hmm. so that he gets it and, you know, commands, commands the attention again and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm in charge now. Give me, give me back my job. Everyone is just kind of like, what's going on? What's happening? Yeah, that was the, I think that's where she got the most interesting to me. Because when we're first introduced to her, she is like really sexy coming out of a pool, like she's got a gun. But and then it really picked up for me when she decided to kick the gun over to Robert. And she's just like, let's just see where this goes, right? Like you could either kill my father or you could kill me <laughs> as a casualty. And I just, fuck it. Like She's like, it's, it would be better than coming back here to work here. Robert ends up shooting the her father in the leg. But you can tell he didn't want to. He was like, I'm gonna kill him to five. And he stops at four and then Celine says five, scares him and then he ends up shooting <laughs> him in the leg. So she's a real go-getter. She knew what she wanted. So that that's a, an interesting theme too, right? Where like we focus on the well, who who's who who would you think this movie is about, Robert or Celine? I don't know. I think it's it's naturally towards Celine, but I think because the director has such a like bro relationship, yeah, to to Edward McGregor, I think they ended up making it more about him. Yeah, I mean, just just because if it was just about Celine and. I think she just has a wider range that she can play into because Edward McGregor just plays lost and confused the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just a, have you heard of the word himbo? Mm, I have heard about, no, I'm lying. I just want to sound smart. Him, so you've heard of the word bimbo, right? Right. So that's like the male equivalent is himbo where you just play like a dumb thought you're like a guy you're just a dumb like thought like 
you're good looking mm. you're just like lost all the time and i think maybe himbo is a good well no not even himbo he's not even like he's not even that good looking yeah he's not even that good looking and no i, I love him i love him though. have you seen the island with him with the him scarlett, scarlett johansson i don't think so it's a 2005 film yeah dude mm, maybe i should watch this it's good i i think he's a good looking guy i um He's a good-looking guy. He, he is like a fine wine that he only got I, better with age. Truly, and I. But I think in this film, like his character was kind of lost on me because we were also introduced to Robert's character as like he's an aspiring novelist, which was never resolved at the end. Like, did you ever write your love story? Like, did you ever write this epic like masterpiece that you wanted to? Like, what is your odyssey? And then it just ends like, okay, well, whatever, you know? I, I mean, I, I don't think the director did a good job at this. Like, there is a, a scene later in the film where one of the angels wrote a letter to Celine in the, writing, in the handwriting of Robert to win her back again. Mm-hmm. And instead of him taking credit for the letter, he's like, I didn't write a letter. What are you talking about? He's this guy who's writing a whole novel about a love story and he couldn't he couldn't write a letter like he didn't own up to his own writing skills he's so shitty because yeah. <laughs> for someone that is like quote unquote a romantic he w- he really wasn't he missed it he missed all the cues i definitely i definitely feel like celine was the strongest character and I really felt like it was, I, yeah, I really felt like it was her film, even though Ewan probably got more screen time. I definitely feel mm-hmm. like, I definitely want to see where she goes at, you know, like where, where is her character leading? How are like these relationships going to tie up? The movie, yeah. like we mentioned earlier too, that the movie kind of takes quite a bit of turns and I want to say like an hour into the film, like the hour, the movie is like an hour and like 50 minutes long, something along those lines. And about like an hour into the film, it turns into like a robbery heist on the road, just kind of Bonnie and Clyde-esque, like for a brief moment. And then we kind mm-hmm. of just jump back to a completely different like feel and genre of the film. You know, like, I honestly don't, don't know how to explain this any other way than that. Like, so going, going back to the story, they, uh, Edwin kind of drives to a, um, a hideout. It's like a shack, like a, ca- like a beaten up cabin house in the middle of nowhere. And they, uh, she's like asking him, like, what are you going to do? Like, are you, are you going, are you thinking about having sex with me? And, He's like, no, why would I? Yeah. And she's like, what's, what's funny? Why wouldn't you? Like you? Sex? <laughs> yeah. The next day, she's like, they're, they get into an argument because he cooked the dinner over a fire and the, the food is all touching. And she's like, you didn't even ask me what I wanted. You're giving me meat. She's just very prissy about the whole ordeal. She, there's actually the beginning um, of that scene I had wrote 
my favorite quote and I, and it stands to be my favorite quote of the entire film so even mcgregor or robert is tying up cameron diaz on in this chair because he's like that's his victim and as he's like tying her up she's just like oh like i'm used to this like i've been kidnapped before and he's like you've been kidnapped before like that's terrible and then he just <laughs> ties like the strings like tightly around her like body yeah like that that's probably like my the most like standout quote to like and also i guess the best in, in expression of their relationship for a, a lot of the film right of like this kind of i don't know like this banter like this right that's the same scene where she tells him that he she's been kidnapped before that they drew how much blood they drew blood for every week that her father didn't pay the ransom mm-hmm. and it was like six weeks or 12 yeah it was a while and she was like all right you you have to be serious about this you can't you have you need a plan like what are you doing with your life yeah she ends up like coaching him on how to sound and act like a like a vicious kidnapper which was funny like just coaching him in this like phone booth about how to demand you know like a million dollars or you know we'll kill your daughter i thought it was a it's a cute it's a cute moment i don't know Classic 90s, they're in a phone Classic booth. Nine. He's like tossing, he's throwing quarters in this and then she's hanging up. She's like, you didn't sound convincing enough. You're not yeah. supposed to be um, negotiating with him. Like you're the kidnappers. You don't mm-hmm. negotiate. And my favorite call was, she, he's, he has the wrong number. And then the person on the other line is like, would you be interested in dating my daughter? And then he's like, yeah, there's... Like, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> and then she, she hangs up the call. It's hard to capture the essence of this film. It's honestly so hard to capture the essence of this film with, like, oh, there's a, you know, this theme of, like, bureaucracy in the afterlife. Or, you know, these two, like, dumb thoughts. Like, there's tension between them, but they don't know it. And they like each mm-hmm. other. But they're also in this predicament where they want to escape their selves. But also there's like a, all these other elements. I think it's a good movie to watch if you don't want to think about Anything. Like what's going on. I watched that on like a Friday night. I was like, I'm done with work. Mm-hmm. I'm done with the week. You know, I might have had a glass of beer. <laughs> yeah. That's why you liked it. I remember you texted me and you were raving about it. You're like, this is amazing. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of people being like, oh, you know, if you want to watch a good rom-com, watch The Notebook. Like... Ugh. I don't, I mean, The Notebook is, it's like now, I don't think it, it was even groundbreaking for its time. Like, I think it was just a mediocre, like, white, hetero movie that people, I think, romanticize too much because it's like a young Ryan Gosling. I don't even know, I don't, I don't understand the cultural fascination with, with mediocre rom-coms like The Notebook. Like, I honestly, I'm trying to think of other rom-coms right now that I'm like, why did people like this? Like, why was this a thing? Like, I think it's just because I'm so far removed from that lived experience of, like... It's also, it's rom-coms from, I, I think really all rom-coms. Like, I, th- I don't think they're, not, most of them are not good films. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. I think uh, <laughs> a lot of them are like feel goods. And I think yeah. like so me, I grew up not watching a lot of I don't I don't well, like people were I'm not cultured in movies, like mm-hmm. and it's funny because we're just watching movies from the nineties and this is not really the direction I thought this podcast would go in. <laughs> but it's shown me a lot of like you know, I mean, I was young when those, really young when those came out, but I think part of watching those films is that, like, for one, those actors were in their prime, really. Mm-hmm. And some of them, in most rom-coms that I watch, I think the big thing is that, like, you know, they, they people are, like, kind of, like, brought together by the circumstances. A lot of rom-coms is, like, well, once we're done robbing these banks, like, we're not going to see each other. Like, once this is done, we're through. Right. You know, like, I I need to get out of you, whatever I need to get out of you. And you are lucky to just be looking at me. So the yeah. the angels work as bounty hunters for the father to track him down. And the angels are morally questionable too for me to be like these are angels (laughs) like it it doesn't like they're always doing like quirky antics like willing to kill somebody willing to do what it takes to like complete the mission and it just further adds to just like the 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 chaoticness of the film like what were some standout scenes for you I think the the most memorable scenes, and not in a good way. This is oddly enough the only scene I didn't like. They're in a they go to a bar, and they've convinced. They like drink. Celine is telling everyone like, "Oh my, my fiance, my husband. He's um, he's a very well known singer, yeah. and she like signs him up for karaoke, and then they start singing song, and then she joins in." And then halfway through the song, they transform into, like, they're both cleaned up and wearing, like, almost like a Broadway show. And I'm like, is this a dream? Like, it it went somewhere, and I was like, I don't know why this is happening. But then the next day, they they wake up, and they find out they slept in the same bed without their clothes. And then he's like, did we really? And then she's like, yes. Which was something, yeah, which was something that I thought was interesting, too, because I think, I thought we were going to be led into, like, this, like, climatic moment of, like, yeah, they finally recognize that they're into each other, and we have this scene of them, like, having sex, and it was, like, it was kind of like an afterthought, like, he's just, like, oh, like, did we, and he's just, like, yeah, you were great, and then she just walks out of the room, like, okay, (laughs) like, are we gonna have a flashback of this, or... I think that's the first time we get a glimpse of like, oh, this is, um, yeah, this is for sure going to be a ride because this doesn't make any sense that like that karaoke sequence, right? Of like, is this really like a a tequila induced like daydream or am I Mm -hmm. on another plane? But that was your, that was the most standout moment for you? Yeah, besides the end. Where he, even McGregor's wearing a skirt. (laughs) <laughs> like a like a Scottish, right? I'm talking about they. Where it gets kind of muddy because 
the actual serious part of the, the film is when he he keeps on having a dream that he gets shot through the heart, that there that she saves him, and then towards the end there's a scene where the angels are like, We're fucking done with this. We're gonna take you to we're gonna get this ransom. We're gonna get this money from your dad. The butler and the dad come through and they kill the the angels because at this point the angels I guess double crossed God the father and the butler. Yeah. And they come in, shoot them, and then they're gonna kill Robert, but then They're after the money. So they don't mm. kill him. So they're like, where's the money? And then we might let you go. Mm -hmm. So that's how they get away. I think that's one of the more serious scenes where like the angels get shot like straight through the head. And then I was like, what? Like this was kind of a jokey movie all throughout. And then just like point blank. (laughs) Yeah. Cause and then like the angel Gabriel too was like calling God to be like right. like is the are they ups. right are like is he dead like are they dead are they coming back like what's the move boss you know yeah like we're short on staff <laughs> <laughs> like there's a cleanup in aisle nine and and everyone is like has their ear pressed up against the the wall yeah honestly. and then gabriel puts the car and then he's like oh thank you boss like this is the only time i'll ever call you and they end up coming back to life but very slowly. One of the one of the moments in the film that I really liked was when they go to rob this bank. So it's Celine's idea to rob a bank because her father didn't give in to the command the the demands of giving them the money. So it honestly like plays out like a Western kind of standoffish thing where they pull into the bank, they go in you know no masks no anything just two people vibing going into the bank and she's in line she pulls a she pulls a gun at the teller and and then she just gets the idea to point the gun at a little girl next to her and everybody's Mm -hmm. like freaking out like screaming like no like she's an innocent stop and Robert is like crying too. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? Like, it doesn't have to be like this. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Like, shoot me, save the girl. Shoot. Like, right. So that's what she does. She ends up pointing the gun at Robert. And then Robert like falls to his knees in like some dramatic, I don't know, like, oh my God, is she going to do it? Is she going to sac like the sacrificial lamb on this bank? And at this point, we don't know if she will or won't. Yeah, we really don't know her motives. Like she, because we we've known from the beginning that the reason she participates in the in the kidnap is because she wants daddy's monies. So we're just like, oh, like she's really gonna do it, bro. Like she's gonna just kill you and off, and you know he's dead weight. Because yeah, she has been the the brain power behind the operation. But like it's just this weird moment, like really tense, filled moment of like this doesn't kind of belong here. Like, but and then we find out later that you know, it works, they end up get the they end up getting the money from the bank. That was that was one of the most memorable moments to me. Just because of the high drama, like high stakes. Is she gonna kill this little yeah. girl? Like that's crazy. I would love to see that. I don't care who gets shot. <laughs> like I <honestly laughs> like someone just pull the trigger. Someone just do it. Let's go somewhere. Let's take this narrative somewhere. You think you would have liked the movie more if it was kind of like if they were on the same page from the beginning and that was the thing? You know, in they're like this 
straight white couple and they like like hate each other mm-hmm. in air quotes but they actually really do like each other and how many times do we see that and it's like we get this mediocre yeah <laughs> like i idea and view of relationships and nothing else yeah that's definitely uh, that's one of the biggest reasons but that, um, but also just like on top of like, I honestly don't know where I am. Like, I, I don't know where I'm at at any given point. Like, because you're giving me like Bruce Almighty vibes in the first like five minutes. And then just another, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it was just weird. I don't know. Like the angels, I forget they were angels at one moment in time because it's just like, they're just bad guys. They I don't stop know. wearing white. Yeah, they just stop wearing white and they're wearing regular people clothes. and the angels like also feel like sexual attraction like at one point they're reading (laughs) they're reading like an erotic novel and the angels like really into it and i'm just like what's going on like (laughs) i don't know that's the same novel that uh she was the celine's character was reading too before bed It, it was confusing i didn't know are these angels more human than they are angelic no 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 questions were answered for me in the film (laughs) <laughs> it's okay i mean that's okay it, the, it, like a film doesn't have to answer all these questions for it to be good but does it romanticize uh stockholm syndrome no i don't think so i don't think it was a stockholm like syndrome movie from the beginning not that it, it, it was borderline it, borderline it, it played around with the idea of like because celine is the one that calls herself the victim she's like i'm your victim do we are we you and i in our classic uh you know, I like this film. You don't. Oh, I'm and I cut, like, You're the <laughs> Cisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This movie is very accessible. Find it on Hulu. Let us know if you like it or don't. And if you do like it, tell us why. Because I think this is a movie that. If you think we're wrong, if you think I'm yeah. wrong, let me know. If you think Ronell's wrong, we know this. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We don't, have, we don't have to be wrong. If you're okay with <laughs> mediocrity, then I guess. Uh, so on October 24th, 1997, Roger Ebert gave A Life Less Ordinary two stars out of four. And I, that's where I feel like I'm at. Like, I'm at a 50, like, 50-50. Like, I'll take it. I'll leave it. It's not bad. It's a Danny Boyle film. For those who don't know, he directed uh, Slumdog Millionaire. He directed Trainspotting. Ronald and I had mentioned a couple times. He's a really great director. 28 Days Later. Oh my God, 28 Days Later. Yeah, dude, with... Um, so the thing is with this guy, he he does really weird films really good. And this is him trying to do like a mainstream classical, like classic like movie film that you it's not indie or art house or... Yeah, I... Listen, I, dream big. Don't <laughs> listen to haters. Dream, don't listen to haters. Would you, I guess, before, like, I feel like this is probably one of the shortest reviews we've ever had. Would you be, like, friends with any of these characters? <laughs> no, I, they're, they're unhinged and not for the right reasons that what, attract me to people. What about Stanley Tucci's character as the dentist? No, he's, he's kind of gross. Because he was a suitor for Celine, and then he was like, I don't know how how he talked like about really perverty about it. Like, yeah, he's I like, I gave her. This. <laughs> he's like, it's not the first time I gave her a fill in. Not one of the best moments 
to be um a dentist i guess in the late 90s where people are just i don't think i'd be friends with any of the characters except maybe tony shalhoub's character at the end Actually, he had I'd, like two minutes I'd take that back well who would you be friends with holly the angel the angel yeah why holly hunters are her real name the actors the the character's name is o'reilly she was unhinged for the right reasons of like i gotta get this done like i'm in it to win it baby i think i think that and she believed in love she did she was a romantic so she was doing this because like besides it being a mission it was also like she saw in both of them that they were meant to be Mm-hmm. And I just divine intervention. Like I think she really did believe in the idea of soulmates or whatever. That is true. She had some redeeming qualities for sure. Despite she all of never like, gave up. she never gave up. Do you think this concept of like, like soulmates or like true love is a thing that could be a thing of fate? Let me think about that one. In movies or in general? In real life. Wow. No pussy wow. <laughs> I think so. I think I'm going to tie it back to your answer, but I think some people um, like to believe in those things because it gives them reassurance. Mm. And I think I'm someone that I do believe in that. And I'm also someone that if you know, if, if you feel like your friend is your soulmate, if you feel like, you know, it doesn't have to be that your lover or partner is your right. soulmate. Doesn't have to be a, there doesn't have to be a romantic component behind the word mm. soulmate. Yeah, I fuck with mm. that for sure. Like going back to that saying too of like people are in your life at the moment they are for a reason, blah, blah, blah. I think that's like a fate thing, you know? They're, I think they're that's in like your a, life. It's about seasons. It rhymes with seasons. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's a thing, though. I think it's a real, like, that's beyond our control. That's beyond, like, whether it's, like, the universe, God, whatever, like, pulling these strings. Like, I think it all falls into place divinely somewhere. But in the context of this movie, I, it's just, (laughs) it wasn't executed at all. And it was just weird. It was just a weird movie. It was it was really an out of body just experience the entire time and but it wasn't trippy it wasn't trippy it was more like it was like okay let's say let's say you go you go to a goodwill and you're like i'm in the mood to read and you buy a book and you're reading it and halfway through the book you realize that it that the book was like had become melted with another Goodwill book and they're two separate books. There's like melted ice cream on one page that just leads into like a completely different narrative. And you're like, okay, I think this kind of makes sense. And you don't realize until you finish the book that you had read two separate books without finishing either book is what this movie felt like. Does he ever get his book? (laughs) What kind of Goodwill did you go to? Like, I feel like at Goodwill, you would find books that had, like, nasty stains and shit, like, underlined, like, I don't know, like, why is this page sticky? Like, 
I, this, you know, gross. like I, you know, I would feel like I would. Why would you take that book home? <laughs> you're innocent. You want to read a good book, and <laughs> you just want to escape. You want to unwind, disconnect from technology. All of the bookstores are gone. There's no more Barnes and Noble. But you know what you do have your good old trusty, you know, secondhand thrift store, you know, around the corner. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I've been wanting to read The Great Gatsby for so long. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to buy a new one. So I'm going to the thrift store. My overall rating of the film would be, I would, if we're doing stars, I'd give it two stars. If we're doing thumbs up, thumbs down, I'd give it, you know, a thumbs down for sure. I would say skip it. If you have Hulu, you have nothing to do. If you honestly have nothing to do and you're, you want to be taken on an emotional, spiritual, all oh, around chill, yeah. physical, <laughs> like, just, you know. <laughs> you don't believe in what you're saying. <laughs> if you want to be taken on this, like, I journey, this... <laughs> then watch it. At your own cost, though. Know that it's going to take a toll on your psyche and <laughs> that this was my disclaimer. <laughs> I, I disagree with what you said. This movie is... All right, let me, let me, let me draw the scene for you, right? It's Friday night. You just canceled plans to go hang out with your friends. You want a nice night in. You don't want to watch a new movie. You just want to watch something that feels familiar. You know, you draw a bath. You get some wine. (laughs) And, you know, you're watching this from your own comfort. And you don't expect anything out of it. You just relax. And if you've done that before and you watch and then that's that you're just living life you know you're not trying you're not trying to watch the uh the movies before they get to the the, the <laughs> no i yeah i i i see that you know if you there's no right or wrong way to live life uh <laughs> as long but as this one yeah i watch it i mean that was a really good description if you don't want to watch anything new but you also kind of don't want to watch something you've already seen, kind of. But you want something and, in, the, in between. <laughs> and this is why I watch rom-coms, because I, I'm like, I don't want to watch this film by Michael Bay that has all these, it's like all these action movies that came out <laughs> that are on Netflix. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, they steal a painting? Or <laughs> that's never happened before? <laughs> I've never seen this ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Fast and Furious 8? Wow. I wonder what kind of cars they drive. (laughs) Like, I don't want to... I'm not going to pretend like it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. This movie is a failure, like, on on Danny Poe's record, Mm -hmm. which is fair to say. It is. And it's valid. We're valid for that. Yeah, I mean, folks, you're free to do whatever you want. You want to see it, see it. You don't... If you don't want to watch it, honestly, you you've gained more hours in your life, but I, we're not here to judge you. We're here to support you as you've supported us. Thank you again. Shout out to our Patreons. <laughs> I just want to thank all our listeners out there. You do the humble job of pressing play on us. And honestly, there's, um, there's only so much that we can do to support each other at, in times like this. You know, we're, we're quarantined as a pandemic. There's protests. 
there's protests. There's uncertainty in, the, in these times of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Know that we have your back. We have your back. As you, we have care about you. We see you. We hear you. You are loved. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Latin Movie <laughs> Lovers. <laughs>